Hey everyone, this is Grant Schwalbe. Welcome to the Grabs Podcast. Today with me, I've got Eric Wheaton from Winter Park, Florida. Uh, he's going to be talking about a grab that he made, uh, his crew made June 8th in 2012. Welcome, Eric. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, you and your department? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm a lieutenant. Uh, been a lieutenant now for about, I think, two and a half years. Been on the job. Um, in my 13th year now. And um, my department is a very, very small uh, city just north of downtown Orlando. I like to say where the skyscraper stop is on the north end there is where our city picks up nine square miles. Um, we do have pretty good staffing for that nine square miles. We have three stations, three engine companies, a, a, a truck company, you know, and Grant, as well as you know, in Florida, we call them rescues, but they're um, ambulances with firefighters on. We have two of those, a battalion and a uh, EMS captain. Um, staffing is three minimum on the engines and four minimum on the truck. Often we run uh, four, um, we're running heavy, we'll run four on the engines. Um, and then last thing to get overstaffed is a truck, which, you know, rarely happens. But uh, yeah, pretty good uh, uh, response times, uh, actually excellent response times and, and, and fairly good staffing for our area of the country, I would say so. Um, yeah, so that's the department there. And you're a little modest. Uh, I know you're pretty heavy into the search stuff. You teach with me at uh, FDIC and also do the ventenersearch.com stuff. So uh, in case you guys are wondering, that's, that's, that's about uh, Eric in that area. So because of that, can you speak to your search culture in your department? Yeah, um, I, would, you know, I would say, especially for a small kind of urban suburban department, uh, we have a very, very strong search culture. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of guys are going to say that about their department. If you have any bit, a bit of pride in your department. Uh, but, you know, for us, it's, uh, we have strict SOGs and, and, you know, I know oftentimes SOGs go to a bad rap, but for our department, um, it's been, it's been a blessing for us. It's, um, it definitely keeps the accountability, um, in check and, and gets everybody on task. But, uh, you know, for example, for our, for our search culture, you know, the truck's going to do the search no matter what. And we split our crews, uh, inside and outside team, like probably most traditional four person trucks. Uh, you know, the officer and the firefighter behind them are going to be the inside team starting a primary search, usually from the front door, um, unless otherwise blocked by, by fire conditions. Um, and then the outside team is they're coming off the rig dedicated event or search, uh, and then kind of go down the priority list and that. And I like to say we're the only do uh, truck in our city because we are a small city and we don't, we don't often get a, a second truck unless specially request. Um, those, that outside team really has to break down the, um, the priority list there. And, and we like to have them coming off thinking VES first. So they have that strong um, tuition to go to the search first. And then if that's not needed, deemed necessary, they can kind of break down to other outside functions. Um, but that's kind of where we're at. All the people are trained on search, but uh, for the most part, that's going to be the truck's job. Outstanding. So tell us what you guys normally get on a residential structure fire, uh, staffing-wise, rig-wise, and what the delay is, uh, you know, how fast everybody arrives on scene uh, for your typical yeah. house fire. Yeah. Okay, so uh, response times, I'll start with that. Uh, like I said earlier on, is, is we're, we're pretty blessed being nine square miles cities. We're virtually right on top of each other. So um, almost no delay. In fact, uh, in my first due, 
you know, I have, uh, I'm at the station with the, you know, two, uh, an engine, the truck, the chief, uh, one of the medic units, the, the EMS captain. So we call it the parade when we get a first do fire. Um, cause we all turn out the bay together There's 11 of us at that station. Um, and then I, I want to say at the farthest points of our city, maybe the first due unit would operate on the scene for a minute, minute and a half, maybe before somebody else is right on top of them. Um, and that's like the very extreme corners, very rare. Uh, but we, we sent three engines, uh, the truck, one ambulance, the chief and our EMS captain. Um, if it's confirmed, um, while en route or by the first due unit, then, uh, we'll add a fourth engine and a second ambulance. The second ambulance will come from our city. Um, that basically taps out our city. Uh, the fourth due engine is going to come from a neighboring agency. We have automatic aid with uh, several county and, and city departments that surround us. Cool. Why don't you take us to June 8th, 2012 and tell us about this run? Okay. Yeah. So um, a lot, a lot of lessons learned for us here. Uh, a lot of kind of interesting things too. And uh, you know, sticking to our, our, I guess I'll, before I talk about that response, I'll talk about a call we ran at this garden apartment in the morning. So it was about 9 a.m. Uh, I had floated out to uh, our uh, east side station, which is an uh, engine and a rescuer, nameless. I was uh, riding as the firefighter. The lieutenant with me was a fairly new lieutenant. He had been on the job about 10 years, but just recently got promoted lieutenant. In fact, you know, later on in the evening when we caught this job, it was his first fire as a, as a promoted officer. And uh, after the EMS call, we, uh, the officer took me through a couple of the apartments and we talked about layout and if we were to get a fire, you know, this is, you know, egress points and entry points and the uniqueness of this garden apartment. Um, kind of uh, fast forward to, I believe it was around 730 in the, the evening. So we just finished up dinner and we get a report of a automatic fire alarm at this location. We go here very often for medical calls and, uh, and fire alarms as well. And uh, the, uh, again, the uniqueness of our response for uh, AFAs, I want to touch on that, is we send a, our first due unit emergency and then uh, everybody else comes non-emergency. We almost send a, an entire first assignment minus uh, an engine and an ambulance. So for example, we're gonna get, um, for this case of the fire, which is in 62's first due, they're gonna run emergency and the truck engine uh, another engine and chief for coming non-emergency so you can see where you know we're almost sending a, a full assignment to that this automatic fire alarm no updates on anything about uh, a possible fire or anything like that very minimal dispatch information we get on scene and when we pulled into the complex basically the nose of the engine faces the building that we're responding to which would be you know we would consider that the bravo side um, and heavy smoke was showing around the uh yeah, pushing out of the walls and the, the attic space. So, of course, the officer uh, immediately filled out the assignment, which everybody who was coming non-emergency, who you know, obviously has a head start now, is upgrading, and then we're adding the actual units that, that were left off on the initial response for a fire alarm. Uh, we get it on scene, and um, the uh, officer immediately starts a 360, and you know, asked uh, myself and the engineer who happened to be an out of grade uh, engineer at the time, he's a firefighter riding as a driver. And uh, uh, I just remember grabbing my irons, which are right next to my seat, 
and turning to step out of the rig and just there's a little more panic in these p in these bystanders than i had normally had seen on on a fire and uh, I, I yell out i said hey is anybody in there and all they one of them says is yes yeah, she's in there and we, again automatic fire alarm we're already kind of behind the eight ball and and uh, no reports of this so i yell at the lieutenant before he takes off too far from us and he's like um, he, he does kind of a partial 360 at that time because there was a long garden apartment. Um, he, he basically said, okay, let the engineer pull the line and you and I will go to the front entrance of this uh, apartment complex. And how this apartment complex is laid out is you open the door and inside this kind of common room, it's not very big, you're going to have four apartments. On the first floor, you're going to have apartment to the left, apartment to the right. You go up the center stairwell, there's going to be a landing on top. Uh, the second floor and same thing apartment on the right apartment on the left um, so we uh we we charge uh um, we charge in there was no uh no force entry needed at that point and we bam about halfway up the stairs and smoke was banked down halfway down the stairs we ran into a lady she's fairly combative uh we kind of had to wrestle her out I uh, wasn't sure because she was confused from the smoke or uh, she just wanted her stuff, but uh, we get her out and nobody was on scene yet. It was just us. So we, um, she was conscious, she was fine. And we, we passed her off to a bystander. Now, uh, ultimately like uh, later on in the scene, she broke away from the bystanders, kind of a lesson learned too, and ran back in out behind us. But, uh, you know, we talked about that later, but um, so that was it. We thought, okay, there was our one victim. We, we had, again, no indication that there's anybody else inside this building. And so we take our line now, because um, uh, uh, initially we had left the line and let the engineer start flaking out and bleed it for us because we we're going in for rescue. And we get up to the second floor landing, and the, uh, the officers stayed at the base of the stairs and just feed me hose so I can stage some hose up top. Well, in the midst of, of climbing the stairs with uh, my irons in one hand, and my, uh, you know, I had my gloves on, and was, uh, I had my right hand free, and I touched the right apartment door. And the right apartment door was extremely hot, like I could feel it through my glove. And it's not like I was checking the door for heat. I just happened to, you know, have my hand up there trying to find my way up to these stairs. Um, so I, uh, I, uh, I call up the lieutenant. He runs back up the stairs and says, hey, we got enough hose up here. So the fire's to the right. And he goes, no, man, the fire's to the left. And we have this like split second conversation at the, at the top of these stairs to these landings. And because of his size up and everything, he was thinking the, the, the fire was to the left. That's where the smoke was, whatever he saw in his partial 360. And I said, I'm telling you, the fire's in here. And this all happened within about five seconds. And he, I was so adamant, he went with it. He said, okay, maybe it's to the right, I was wrong. We opened the door, smoke was banked down, I'd say about shin high, um, all the way down about shin high. And this is something that we kind of take for granted. And Grant, you know, teaching with you, I know you're, you're uh, big on this. Larry McCormick was big with this when he was up there at FDIC with us. And he says, you know, and, 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 and we preach this all the time, but you say, hey, fire department, is anybody in here? Or fire department, call out. And then you're supposed to kind of hold your breath and, and take that time to actually listen to hear if anyone responds. Well, you know, I had that to me and in my department and, and until after this call, but that was just a check mark. You know, that was something you did in training and okay, cool. They said they called out or, you know, said, ask uh, if anybody was in there. So I did that. And I don't know if I uh, consciously held my breath or, 
or just it happened to be I said that and I had a pause in, in, in my air movement that I was able to hear um, somebody coughing. It was like a choking cough. I mean, like, you know, pretty dramatic. And I go, I go, LT, we got somebody in here. And he's like, what? You know, again, we're caught off guard. And, and I, I'd say about this time, maybe the, the other unit started arriving. Um, so we, we call to him. We're like, hey, where are you? Where are you? No, no verbal response other than a cough and, and a choke sound. So we're crawling in and we're crawling in, not really following any uh, wall patterns. You know, everyone talks about staying on the wall and all this stuff. And in our mind, we just wanted to go to the noise. So we, we come in and, and the apartment kind of opens up into the dining room, kitchen, and then living room off to the left. And it sounded like he was more in that living room area. So we crawled and then we, bam, bumped right into him. Um, and he was basically in the corner of a wall on his side with the, I believe it was wet, but like a, a rag. And I believe it was a wet rag. And he was just coughing and choking and spitting. Um, so the lieutenant grabs him and we bring him out into that top landing. And basically the lieutenant had to like army carry him or, or pick him up kind of halfway over his shoulder and, and brought him down the stairs and kind of was like, Hey, stay up here. And, 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 uh, you may have to force the apartment door, uh, the fire apartment door. Cause that, that apartment didn't have the fire. In, and, and there's a little story to that. Um, so he left me up cause now we know, okay, Hey, fire's on the left side apartment. Like he originally said, anyways, he, he got the guy out and we, at that time there's paramedics on scene. So he was able to pass him off and met me back on top of this landing. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not a huge religious guy, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, someone who practices religion very often, but I always, when I tell the story, I, I always say that something told me to go in that room to the right, man. Like, like that, the heat of that door told me go in that room because we have a strong search culture, but I guess where the, the truck was going to go do a search. They were going to the fire apartment to do the search, which was the left apartment, which would have left his apartment, this gentleman's apartment search later on, not, not very far into it, but you know, later on into the operations, definitely post fire knockdown. So um, it was just kind of unique that, uh, you know, something told me to go in that room. Something told me to call out, uh, it ended up, you know, no fire in that, that apartment. So then we, we turn our efforts to the left one. Uh, we open up the apartment door, fire is uh, blowing out of the door. And this kind of all leads into the story of why the, the right side apartment was hot. And uh, we had to fight our fire, our, our fight fire all the way down the hallway into the bedroom of origin. Well, this, uh, this woman was an extreme hoarder and it wasn't like, you know, a hoarder, like, you know, the guys, the, the, the ladies got some stuff in there. It's, it was a known hoarder, um, piles of stuff. We could not crawl. In fact, later on in the, um, uh, after overhaul, you could see down the hallway where my equal, my helmet was kind of scoring some of the drywall because I couldn't crawl. I just had to, um, I had to kind of duck walk and duck walking on piles of stuff uh, and, you know, poor nozzle technique because the, the hose is getting tied up with junk. So, you know, it's kind of like tucked into my arm. And I just remember this uh, being a, a kind of a difficult firefight, extremely hot, put the fire out. Everything was cool. Um, so after it, when talking to the bystanders and, uh, and interviewing the, the lady who ended up being fine, the first person that we found in the stairwell there that, that, who owned the apartment that was on fire, uh, what was happening is that she was running in and out while we were responding, running in and out of her apartment to grab as much stuff as she could. Well, she would leave her apartment door open when she was in there to grab stuff, 
you know, may or may not have closed the door when she exited. She had it closed once we arrived on the scene. And then what happened was a gentleman who was in an adjacent apartment started smelling smoke or having smoke in his apartment, opens his door. There's fire in the hallway at that time, so closes his door to shelter in place. And then that whole time, his apartment just chugging with smoke. It's common attic space, everything. So just chugging with more and more smoke. He grabs a rag and ends up, you know, um, being semi-conscious uh, where we found him. And uh, so what, what was happening is the fire department's door was left open and it was heating the hallway side of the apartment to the right. And that's why when I felt that, that door, that's why I thought the fire was in that apartment. And it was just ha having that radiant heat against that apartment door, that closed apartment door. Um, so that was kind of a pretty unique learning experience for us there. Um, truck ended up getting on scene, do doing a, a, a proper primary and all that. And um, yeah, that was basically it, man. What, what do you think the time was from uh, on scene to, I know you ended up having pretty much two grabs on that one, but uh, what do you think that time frame looked like? Um, I want to say from time on scene to the first, uh, woman we found on the stairwell, uh, I mean, that had to be, you know, a minute and a half or so. I mean, you know, just, just as long as it takes to basically, you know, partially flake out a line cause then the engineer kind of took over, uh, uh, mask up and, 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 and get ready to make entry and go up, you know, probably, uh, you know, five or six so steps. Um, and then for the, for the other guy, for the second guy, um, you know, that, that was probably a good four, four and a half minutes, um, before we got up there to him. Um, I'd have to look back at some of the dispatch notes. I'm, I'm kind of curious now that you asked me that, um, and see the timestamps of that. Um, I was just going to tell you another little thing, uh, that we learned, I forgot to talk about that was, uh, the, uh, my irons at the time had a strap on it. Like every irons in the, in the, uh, in the city had a strap on it. Well, when I was left up there in that, that landing in a smoky, in a smoky hallway, um, and I was left there by myself to try to force the apartment door, I could not find a way to unstrap those irons together. So from that point on, we got rid of all the straps on our, uh, tools and, and now not one uh, set of irons in the city of Warner Park has a strap on it because of that fire. So a little side note, a little off topic from search, but I thought it was a big learning curve for us on that as well. So no, that's good. What, uh, so when you, when you got up on the guy, did you just find him by hands? Was the, what was, was there a little bit of visibility to end up seeing him once you got up on him or how did you recognize yeah, that you were up on him? I would say we got, uh, we were able to see him when we we're about uh, two or three feet away. Um, and at that time we really had no plan. You know, I know you talk about having a plan and that's something we preach now, but at the time we had no plan. It was just going to be a grab and get out. And, you know, now, now thinking about some of the studies that are out and some of the, you know, newer trainings that, that we've been involved with about keeping the airway low and, you know, all those things now my department has trained on, but, uh, you know, we basically, uh, bumped into them kind of saw him bumped into him at the same time and it was pick up just like you you know we were always taught in fire school or just pick him up and then we got to the stairs and realized you know we couldn't really just you know hold his torso up to our our airway level and be able to navigate some stairs so 
the lieutenant literally kind of just army carried him and, and threw him over his shoulder and, and kind of walked him out like that. He was a very old, old man. So it was, you know, wasn't extremely heavy. Um, but yeah, that, that was something that we talked about improving on, you know, having that drag plan and, and, and we've since even tweaked it more with worrying about the airway of victims and things like that, especially when they're completely, uh, uh, still breathing on their own and everything, you know? Was he, uh, was he combative at all or pretty limp? He, he was not, he was just semi-conscious, you know, really not, not verbal, just, uh, making a lot of choking and coughing and spitting noises. Uh, he really couldn't, uh, uh, move on his own. Uh, the, the first, the woman we found was more combative and was able to kind of jump around and everything. And like I said, she kind of actually found her way back into the fire, uh, or that dirty, uh, stairwell, uh, behind us at one point, she broke away from the bystanders. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Eric. Uh, like always, uh, it's good to talk to you. Uh, love teaching with you. I appreciate all that you guys are doing with uh, the UL study event or search and, and all that. And I love you, man. Um, if, uh, if guys want to get a hold of you, what's the easiest way to do that? Yeah, I'm, I'm on uh, Facebook and, and Instagram. Um, you can just search uh, Eric R. Wheaton on both of those. And then, uh, you know, if you want to email me or, uh, it's Eric at vententersearch.com. And of course, you know, go to ventersearch.com and, and you can, uh, follow the website there and also contact me through the site. Cool. Well, we look forward to also having you. I do got kind of a sister podcast, the journeyman. We'd love to have you on to talk more about what you're doing with Venn or search and the UL study and everything like that. So if, uh, listeners, uh, want more Eric, uh, we can give it to you. Um, if you've been involved in a, in a rescue assist or, or otherwise, uh, we encourage you to go to www.firefighterrescuesurvey.com. Uh, that's information for firefighters, by firefighters, because um, the, the information we're getting off our reports just kind of sucks. Um, if you want to record uh, your grab for the podcast for people to listen to, get a hold of me on Facebook or get a hold of Justin McWilliams. He's also doing these, uh, and we'd love to have it. So. Uh, again, Eric, I appreciate you, and uh, until next time. Going, 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 going.